Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 97. Free cities aren't free. They cost a buck oh five. I'm Scatty and with me as, as always is my buddy Matt. Yep, present and accounted for my friend. We continue our coverage of the world of ice and fire. You know that lovely little uh, that big old coffee table book of historical references, beautiful illustrations, and Love much, it. much more. I mean, if anything, buy the book for the illustrations. It's fantastic. It's really good stuff. Uh, you know, we've we've made it through pretty much everything that George has created, and uh, the world of ice and fire has some stuff that we haven't touched on yet. So we're going there. Uh, in this episode, we continue kind of our coverage of Essos, but we're moving more west. We're covering uh, everything in the book, starting on page 250 through 265. Okay, so that's a section called Beyond the Sunset Kingdom. And we're ending at after the section on the Three Sisters, again on 265. All right, not a lot of content, but we got a lot of fun stuff in this episode. We do, a few extra little things coming at you. Uh, and the area we're covering is, I think it's more familiar to most of you and to me, uh, mm-hmm. than most of the stuff we had been covering the last couple episodes that were, that was much farther east. Um, so, but you probably still need a map. I get confused about where Tyrosh and Myrrh and Lys are and, uh, good to have one handy. Um, the, uh, the Lands of Ice and Fire are great for this, for this section. Uh, some good detail to look at. I've got mine right above my desk here. And as always, uh, I like to, to give a little shout out to uh, to Michael Clarfeld at uh, clairdocs.de as well. He's got some fab, fantastic stuff. So check those out if you're interested in the map. Yes, please. Next episode, we're going to finish off our coverage of these uh, lands beyond Westeros. So we'll cover um, the remaining free cities that we're not covering in this episode, those being Pentos and Bravos. And we'll also be sneaking in some coverage of old Valyria, too. That's um, right. That'll be a lot of fun. And Volantis, too. How could I forget Volantis? That's right. Volantis is a little I mean, forgettable. It's very forgettable. Right. Yeah. Not a great place. <clears throat> um, not any better than any of these cities, as we'll talk about. These cities, they're wacky. <laughs> Wacky, wacky packy. I'm just going to leave it at that. Wacky packy. We've, uh, and then after that, you know, Scott and I, uh, we spent about 40 minutes before we hit record on this episode chit-chatting about what we're going to do next. Mm-hmm. We got some fun ideas in the books. So, we're, uh, yeah. In the some hopper. Fun ideas in the hopper we're so. going to look at. And, yep. Got a 100th episode coming up, which uh going to try to plan a few, a few things for. Hopefully we'll see if they come together properly um but hey another song of madness in the books matt oh gosh yes congrats to danny for winning i want it known and i don't know if you saw this in the notes but i sent the notes the the skeleton for this recording i think last friday or saturday yeah uh, so a little a little over a week uh, a little less than a week ago and i had written this already that uh that danny was gonna win yeah I knew, you did. I knew it. Yeah. I, I could, yeah. my spider senses were tingling, and I think I think a lot of people could kind of tell she had a lot of momentum this year. And she, she really did. I think it was a, about the elite eight that I knew. Like Danny's going to take this, isn't she? Like yeah. she's going all the way this year. Yeah. When she trounced Jamie, I think, and and it wasn't like it wasn't even that close. Right. I was like, yeah, 
Yeah, I think she's. I think she's got this. Um, she. Yeah, I mean, she. She. She went because of the way we formatted it this year. She had a chance, an opportunity to take on all of the previous champions. Um, and my beloved University of Arizona, the only national championship they ever won, they beat all three number one seeds that they had an opportunity to play. Whew. And that's what Danny did. She beat yeah. Arya, she beat Jamie, and she beat John. She beat all of them. <clears throat> and, uh, man, an intense year. Matt, you posted your thoughts on Twitter. I'm, mm. I wrote some. <laughs> I'm considering posting them. Put them out there. <laughs> man, they're just so dark. I don't. They, they're good, man. It's the yin-yang of Matt and Scad. You yeah. need that. The balance yeah. that we bring to the force, man. We are the chosen ones. Yeah. So, so yeah. the prophecy says. So the prophecy says. There can only be two. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably put it out there. Anyway. Good man. Um, congrats, Danny. It was, a, it was a great tournament. A lot of fun. Record participation, which, you know, cool. I, I don't care about how many votes we really get, but... I but I mean, eleven thousand on the championship round is nothing to. It's nothing to sneeze at. at. Yeah. No, I, I honestly, the thing I was more impressed about is other than us, other than us being a holes on the last day, <laughs> pretty much everybody kept it in their pants. They were yeah, pretty they well did. behaved. Yeah, it was we, surprising. Yeah, I was expecting a lot worse. Yeah, and we too. were we were ready to rise or yeah. sink to the occasion. <laughs> yeah. We we sank without the occasion in anticipation, and then it didn't come. We're like, oh, okay. oh I guess we'll That's, be nice now. Yeah, yep. all right. It was fun. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Um, not the first time we misread the room. <laughs> it won't be the last. Uh, let's see. So Patreon, guys. So no charge this month for our, for our patrons, um, and maybe for longer at least. Uh, just... You know, with times are strange and weird and tight for so many people that this is the least we can do. So we'll continue to release our episodes early for everybody, that being on Fridays instead of Mondays like normal. So everyone can kind of enjoy that benefit of patronage. But uh, yeah, good yeah, luck with everything, guys. Hang in there. Hang in there. This. We're also going to throw out a Films Get Fingered reasonably soon as well, and that'll be available to everyone in this in this temporary model that we've got going so um look for that as well um for those just tease it for those interested in kevin smith you might uh might be interested in hanging around to see that 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 film's get figured yeah we covered clerks a few months ago and at the time we kind of joked about covering everything of his or at least the quote-unquote good ones um so yeah which is not a commitment that we're going to do that necessarily but we're doing another one when when have we ever committed to anything (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) all right uh there's no davos after dark these days uh when winds comes the davos after dark may come back uh but this episode will contain references to anything and anything we want all books all theories so just be prepared Mm -hmm. knives at the ready and we love hearing from you guys. Uh, we're coming down from that um, Song of Madness high where oh, anytime we happen to look at our phone, we had 30 notifications from the Kalisar. And that that is so much fun to be that constant interaction with people. And then we come down from it where we're not getting it like we were. And it, it really is like 
it's, it's it's weird. It's like noticeable. So <laughs> that being said, we're we're vying for your attention. We're pleading for it. Send us something, please. No, but uh, you guys know. If you want to talk to us, say anything, suggest topics, hang out, DavosFingers.com. Our email address is WeAreDavosFingers at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at DavosFingers. We're on Facebook, and our Patreon is still open. You can go there, patreon.com slash DavosFingers. Uh, leave comments there and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and we did get a ton of a ton of outpouring after Song of Madness from people just thanking us. Yeah, for the and, thank you. Felt really nice. Um, it was yeah, it was it's super great to hear from people and be aware. It's by and large everyone is a joy to you know to interact with, and we appreciate all of all the messages coming from people thanking yeah. us. And it was it's been a really strange time, and Song of Madness did have a, a weird impact on that this year. It really did feel like we were kind of given something for people to to focus on it was nice and yeah. thank you for letting us know that we appreciate it ton of fun should we dive in yep all right here's your summary it's kind of not really a summary we've worked our way from the east steadily west south for some island hopping and then back to essos again to cover the dothraki and such and with each chapter you get a sense that maester yandel gets maybe a little more comfortable with his topics a little more on top of things the closer we move to westeros that is the regions have been filled with mystery and wonder, barely knowns and complete unknowns, brindled men, black stone, and ancient cultures very different than that of Westeros. But here we embark on some much more familiar territory to Yandel, the Free Cities. These cities' beginnings have Valyrian signature, much like the Seven Kingdoms do today, and their proximity to Westeros has allowed them to dance in and out of view of our main story. So we know a little bit more about them, have some more touch points. Yeah. So with that, let's kick it off with some Lorath. Let's kick it off with some Lorath. Quote to introduce this section. Their eunuch priests wore eyeless hoods in honor of their god. Only in darkness, they believed, would their third eye open, allowing them to see the higher truths of creation that lay concealed behind the world's illusions. It's definitely something I want to talk about after we go through this summary. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, first of all, uh, the, the good maester gives us a little introduction into these other lands where this where this kind of chapter begins is when he's just moving away from Westeros. So he brings up the point that two things kind of make a lot of sense when you think about them. First off, the farther away you are from something, the less familiar familiar you are with it. And I suppose that makes sense in the sense that Planetos, uh, where they don't have a world wide web other than the Weirnet. And even with that, not everybody has a subscription. So it's hard to know what's beyond your your immediate horizon. Uh, the other truth is that the longer ago something happened, the less we know about it. So history gets murky and everything, but that's all right. We've dealt with some of that, as Scad mentioned in his introduction. But uh, now we've already pretty much covered the long ago and really far away. And now we're moving a good deal closer to Westeros. So we're going to spend a couple episodes, like we've said, discussing the nine, count them nine, nine times, Mrs. Bueller, nine times, uh, nine free cities. 
Um, these cities are familiar to the Westerosi because of trade and proximity, and each of the city has its own. Each city has its own unique history and culture. Even if eight of the nine were once "quote unquote" proud daughters of Valyria, with Bravos being the exception. Now there were plenty of other Valyrian towns, settlements, outposts, and even cities across Essos. But what sets the nine apart is that each one of them although they ultimately answered to Valyria, were basically living kind of on their own. They elected their own leaders and lived their own lives, so long as they did not poke the dragon. Dutiful daughters is how the text describes them. So the first of those that we're going to look at is the Lady Lorath. It's furthest north of all the free cities, um, with barely the exception of Bravos. Lorath is actually a collection of islands and part of a peninsula just off mainland Essos, um, jutting out into the Shivering Sea. The Lorathi also claim Lorath Bay, but they really don't have anything by way of a sea force to back up that claim, and Bravos has kind of taken it over. Story of Lorath's life. Uh, Lorath is the meekest and the poorest of the free cities. It's isolated location, if you look at your maps that Scad urged you to grab. Um, you can see how trade would be difficult with where it's located kind of up and around and down, which is too bad because the surrounding waters of Lorath are, are actually rich with sea life and other resources that they could probably capitalize on. Uh, and you know what? To be honest, besides their geographical location, Scad, the Lorathi just seem a bit off. And I don't know if that contributes to their current social standing as well. I mean, anciently, before the Andals and later the Valyrians arrived, Lorath was home to a mysterious race of men known as, you've heard of them, the Maze Makers. These creatively inclined ancients, whose only leavings were their bones and the, mazings, and the mazes they constructed, they built sprawling constructs of bewildering complexity, says the Maester, all over the Lorathi Islands. In fact, on the second largest Lorathi island of Lorassion, there exists a maze that covers three quarters of the island and goes four levels deep into the ground. The purpose of these mazes remain as mysterious as the race that built them. I mean, were they dwelling places? Were they fortifications? Were they places of worship? Again, no record exists to tell the tale. Bones indicate that these maze makers were larger than the average man today, but smaller than giants. And the good maester, of course, supposes that maybe there was some inbreeding going on between giants and men, and these were their offspring. Now, their disappearance is equally mysterious, and uh, the stuff of legend, with legend saying that they were destroyed by an enemy from the sea, whether they be merling, selkies, or walrus men. Yes. Speaking of Kev Smith. That's right. Tusk it up. Tusk. You know, Tusk wasn't bad. I like Tusk. It's jarring. It's no red state. It's no red state. But it's one. It's in the upper echelon of his more recent films. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, the Andals eventually occupied the Isles. And it's said that they ruled there a thousand years before a warrior named Carlon the Great dreamed a little too big and caught the, the attention of Valyria when trying to invade a neighboring city of Norvos. 
which by that point was already one of Valeria's daughters. It is said that Valeria sent a hundred dragons. A hundred dragons. We're talking about what three dragons <laughs> could do to Westeros when Danny finally comes over. He's just like, eh, send a hundred. Uh, and that not a single man, woman, or child survived the fiery scouring of Lorath, as it's come to be called. The Isles, after that, remained empty for a century until a sect of religious dissidents from Valyria left the freehold and established a temple on Lorath. Uh, these were worshippers of Boash, the blind god. Uh, as we mentioned in the quote, they believed that higher truths of creation could only be found by denying oneself the illusions of the real world. So these followers denied all the comforts of life, and priests went about in eyeless hoods, uh, efforting to open their third eye to discover the secrets of existence and to become one with their God. <clears throat> this extreme abnegation of self, as the book says, and any form of vanity extended until the very names of the individual worshippers. The Boashi spoke of themselves as a man or a woman rather than deign to refer to themselves in any form. In fact, although the sect of the blind god is long gone, the noble class of Lorath still considers it offensive <clears throat> to speak of oneself directly. All right. So today, after newcomers over the years basically said, we're moving in, Matt Foley, Saturday Night Live, <laughs> and eventually outnumbered and brought down the Boash, Boashi, Lorath is ruled over by a council of three princes, the Harvest Prince, the Fisher Prince, and the Prince of Streets. These three serve for life, but their titles are mostly ceremonial, with most decisions being made by a council of magisters. Uh, overall, considered poor, backward, and weak, the Lorathi do not make war. They prefer trade with Norvos, Bravos, and Ib. And that's, that's Lorath, man. Yeah, they made those priests of Boash go live down by the river in a van. <laughs> Eating a steady a diet of, of government cheese. <laughs> uh, man, kind of kind of a weird place. That, you know, the, the abrogation of self, the, uh, the opening of this third eye. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not the craziest thing, right? You see all the time, like um, monks, you know, in, in current day that, that kind of go to these remote locations and kind of take make their life very simple and deny themselves right. uh, things so they can focus on the spirituality component. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they close their eyes. They're not living with you know, you know, bandages on their face to hide to to never see, but. They're closing their eyes. They're isolating their senses. They're trying to focus. I don't think it's that weird. It's a little weird how extreme it is, but, you know. Well, you just imagine them running into walls and stuff, walking yeah. around in those hoods. But Well, I mean, just, just like blind, any blind person today, they yeah, get used to it and their senses adjust. And right. I'm sure they were they were great at navigating. Um, you know. Yeah, I found some, you know, there's some similarities between uh, what what Bran's learning right now, I thought. Not a ton, but, you know, to see the higher truths, you have to learn to open that third eye. And uh, it made me wonder if, you know, that's very, you know, it's it's something that uh, blood ravens down there with the children of the forest and 
Yeah. I, you know, it feels very Westerosi, First Menish. But you have to wonder if there's some sort of connection. This sect, the Boashi, came from Valyria, as it said. So it makes you wonder if, if there is some common thread that leads back to this idea of third eyes and finding higher truths like Bran and Bloodraven are doing. And if there's some mm. sort of connection between the Children of the Forest and Valyria that goes back further in kind of a spiritual realm, right? It's interesting. Yeah, you, you were looking spiritually kind of uh, kind of through the ages, you know, some sort of mystical connection. Mm-hmm. I wondered, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to look too deeply, but I wondered if there was any evidence in what we had of Bloodraven going to Lorath or being in contact with, you know, with this culture in some way. Um, yeah, I looked at it too and I couldn't find anything. Yeah, like I, I didn't find Boashi, anything. Boashi, right? Yeah. It's interesting. But, you know, is this kind of where he got that idea from? Or did the children, like you say, did the children introduce it? Because they knew, you know, we have evidence that, evidence uh mr yandel doesn't know anything but uh you know that there were a children like uh race if it had one right yeah we discussed it to some depth with uh chloe of girls gone canon a couple of episodes ago so yeah and i um you know maybe yeah maybe maybe they kind of took some of that with them um it's hard to put the timeline together. We don't get dates in here very much. We do get one date, which is very specific. 1,322 years before the doom. Before the a sect, doom. A sect of religious dissidents came to the Freehold, which seems like a weird date to give us. I kept kind of looking for other dates for the other cities to see if like something could like line up and fill the holes, but... I didn't. I didn't find anything. I right. If you looked, but I didn't. I I couldn't find anything either. And Maester Yandel actually makes a point to say that there's the part of the problem with all of this is that these ancient histories and cultures <clears throat> sometimes counted counted time differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They yeah. measured time in in different forms and stuff. So a year to one wasn't a year to someone else. You know. Yeah, I'm. So, I'm always wondering about how they really measure time. I mean. They, can, they must just use the moon turns, right, to measure the time. Because with the Think, seasons the yeah. way they are, they're not using mm-hmm. traditional... Well, I, I suppose they could still use months. Anyway, we don't know. We don't yeah. know. We're, right. we're guessing. Yep. But, you know, if so, uh, just, to, just to tighten up this topic, that kind of almost kind of solidifies more of that fire and blood, or, or not fire and blood, ice and fire connection of... If Children of the Forest kind of indicates more of the ice to me being over in Westeros and fire being old Valyria, you know, there's potentially a strengthening of that idea of ice and fire. I don't think it is the Song of Ice and Fire. I think that's John and Danny, but uh, so strengthening I, the connection. I feel like I, I, I come off somewhat stupid sometimes when we talk about this stuff because I don't have the advantage of some of the lore from the show. Um <laughs> But but what you're saying then is that that you think the I got into it during Song of Madness about ice and fire and what it meant in the title Song of Ice and Fire and mm-hmm. I got yelled at pretty good and proven wrong, which was great. Um, but you did? I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, maybe you missed the thread. But um, basically, there's an interview. I'm sure, lots of people listening know, but there's an interview where George said, "Yeah, the the Song of Ice and Fire, the ice is you know." what's happening north of the wall and the fire is Danny and her dragons. 
And I had always kind of thought that the Song of Ice and Fire was John and it, that the, the fire was Rhaegar and the ice was Lyanna and John was the song. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I never really liked that. I, I made that point in this thread that I never really liked that because it felt like it was, it was just so focused on him and, and left all these other parts of the story uh, out. And anyway, tying back to your point, um, what you're saying is not the others, maybe, but culturally, the children uh, are are the ice, and perhaps and, and the Valyrians, the fire, perhaps. not dragons specifically. I just see it. I I feel like the pinnacle of the mountain of ice and fire is probably John and Danny, and I would have said that before seeing the ending of the TV series. I think we have talked about it, in fact, before. It just seems like they're on this collision course, and you could see it coming yep. from from books away. Um, but, just the parallel paths are on for leadership, which we've talked exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. But it just feels like, but there's lots of little things along the way to kind of strengthen that ice and fire dichotomy slash connection. Uh, and, and I think this could just potentially be one of those things. So Yeah, there's kind of a lot of them. That's one of the directions that thread that I'm talking which is about fun. went, is that yeah. there's a lot of things that it could be referring to. Which makes it and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. um, maze makers. Oh, maze makers. So, you want to lead off on this one, or you want me to lead off on this? Nope. One? I know you got something to say, and I want you to say it. <laughs> well, they're interesting. I, I want to know more. I'm sure everyone exactly. Does. Yeah, you do. But I, in the end, I have to add it to a long list of things that I fear George will just leave in the dust. That they won't have any significance whatsoever. That. Um, Maybe even sometimes I think we talked about this pre-stream a little bit that Elio and Linda just came to George with their crazy ideas for fiction that they never got to write themselves. And George, <laughs> you know, with his pint of beer said, oh, that's funny. Put it in Laura. Yeah, go ahead and put Throw it, in, it there. in there. Maze makers. Sounds great. People will Laura, up. He's like, I'm not going to do anything with Lorath anyways. So I'll give you yeah. this peninsula, Elio. Do what you want with it. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm making more light of it than I mean, but. But more than that, really just, well, here's what I'll say. The Maze Makers are mentioned in precisely zero other texts besides Mm -hmm. the World of Ice and Fire. Right. It's not mentioned anywhere other than in this book, and it's mentioned, I don't know, six or seven times in here. Um, I just don't, it it is cool, it is interesting. There are supposedly giants or giant or human hybrids, uh, like you said, kind of cool. I got got nothing other than... I think it's a write-off. I think it's nothing. I think it's, I'm let's like, make our world interesting with, with backstory. Right. Yeah, it's one of those backstory things. I try to, like, take a step back, look at things from further away, and go, okay, how could this connect to the main story or even connect to Westeros? And the only real connection to Westeros it has is that there's mazes under the high tower, right? Yeah. And, but even then it's like, the stone's okay. totally different. The, yeah, the stone's different. And this and what, predated the Valyrians, these these hewn, rough hewn stones, right? Right. And then, but then the, the question is okay, connection between the High Tower and Lorath. Lorath, so what? Like, what? Right. So what? Right. Yeah. Is this, what bearing would this have on the story? Uh, when, if Euron brings down the High Tower or whatever, 
is that are they going to retreat to the mazes but then what would Lorath have to do with Jochen maybe Jochen Hagar will be like hey I know mazes because he's in Old Town right now oh I'm <laughs> thinking of Scad this is just me freewheeling now I haven't talked about this at all okay here we go here we go here we go all right let's do <laughs> let's it let's follow this okay Hightower's coming down Jochen becomes the savior of the city because he knows the way through the mazes Wait, what's that key he's Hightower. looking for? What's the key he's looking for? Oh, Maybe the, yeah, key the key is a key to oh, the maze. You need a key. That's part of it. Yeah, because mazes traditionally have They've like checkpoints, right? And, yeah. You've got to get through certain places. Okay, this is it, Scat. Never mind. Laura, this, is, this, this is all how makes Laura sense. Clues in. Guys, you the heard Bravo it here first. specifically recruited, recruited Jockin because he's Lorathi and said, hey, you know mazes, man? Go spend some more time in the mazes, then come to us. Yep. We're going to send you down to Old Town. Down to Old so, Town Road. Uh, Scott, Scott, I just think we came up with a new theory. I don't think... I think I, you did. I sat here. <laughs> you, and I'm kind of, muse, I'm kind of angry muse. because the high towers are my fucking thing. <laughs> and you just stole it from me. I'm handing the baton to you. Now no. you run the next leg. <laughs> uh, because this... I, I did some Googling on, on uh, the Maze Makers, and I didn't see anything of connecting Lorath and Jacques and all this. So you heard it here first, Kalisar. That's what's going to happen. Jacques becomes the savior of Old Town by leading the people down into the mazes. Or does he awaken something in, in Battle in the deep by, by going in through that maze? And What's the key he's looking for? I can't remember now. Does the key have something to do with it, or is it just a key to somebody's lockbox or something? I can't even remember. It's now. the key to the lockbox of the. Of the but in the lockbox right? is another key to the maze. Right. No, yeah. We have no idea. It's a cool theory. Connecting it's the mazes. Literally just came right here. But... Because he's got experience in one maze in Lorath, he can solve <laughs> the maze at Battle Isle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Listen, yeah. it's thin. Um, way for thin, way for thin, uh, but uh, it's better than anything else I've heard about how Lorath dies in. Yep. Uh, well, there you have it. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, Lorath in general, it just feels like a, I don't know, a city that's just kind of easy to take and conquer. It's changed hands a bunch of times. Well, you don't even have to like. Eventually, you didn't even have to conquer it. It's like it says people that just kind of left or died out. <laughs> the Boash, the Boashi were there for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And then people just started coming there. They're like, oh, there's land there. I'm going to go live in Lorath now. And so they just came and started living on Lorath. Yeah. They eventually just displaced them. Right? And over time, they just kind of, yeah, yeah. They, they forced the Boashi kind of underground a little bit until yeah. they were all gone. So Yeah. Right. So you don't even have to conquer the place. Just go and live there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, this isn't really as, as good a note for Lorath as it is maybe for the other sections, but you kind of talked about it a little bit when you were talking about the free cities in general at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, like, the Song of Ice and Fire that we all know and love is, is you know, greatly focused on Westeros. And, you know, Daenerys has, you know, this need, this internal driving force uh wanting to send her back there and claim the throne but westeros is kind of backwoodsy compared to the free cities they've got like you know this 
rich culture and merchants and products and beauty and all these things. And they're terrible, too, in a lot of ways. But doesn't Westeros just kind of feel like, I don't know, like less refined somehow? <laughs> Not than Lorath, but kind of backwoodsy, no? Yeah. You don't see it that way? Yeah. And this is going to be terrible to say. And maybe it's better for, for the section on the three daughters. Yeah. There's a key difference. Slavery. Yeah. It, they're awful. I, I didn't say they were perfect. No. Nope. I know. awful. I just mean like... Yeah. yeah, there's a. I was gonna bring this up in the in the in the three daughters one, but this is a good time to bring it up right now. Um, I think I brought it up on the cast before. Louis C.K. and I know nobody likes him anymore because he's uh, he's got a comedy bit where he he talks about how every good every you know strong civilization or every wonder of the world like the pyramids is the example he uses was built on the backs of slaves, pretty much. And I don't want to think about that. How terrible that is. I mean, and, if you want to get really dark, aren't, aren't, we, aren't we living in a society where we're basically like slaves but given more incentives to not rise up? We're given enough. We're placated. Yeah. So that we don't, I mean, really, I mean, this, oh man, this is getting, people are going to hate us. So, (laughs) so this virus has shown just how important the workforce is to driving this country. And that it isn't about the billionaires and the millionaires and everybody kind of owning the businesses and Uh small businesses are maybe a little bit different story, but uh, it's about the people doing the work. That's what drives everything. And for so long, we've just been kind of like force-fed this you know this dialogue about you know trickle down and you know the american dream and you can overcome and become this thing and like we're, we're placated by these dreams and these motivations and enough money to keep us afloat and things like that that we we stay subdued yep we stay and the down. thing with slavery is it's so awful it's so terrible probably maybe the worst thing on the planet i don't i don't know probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that on a wide scale like that yeah yeah sure. that that they will eventually rise up because it's awful it's inhumane and so it's like the progression of society is really just we've learned to give the lower classes enough that so that they don't rise up right I mean, right. even they even talk about in that section how they the number of slaves in these free cities outnumber the three to one, yeah, three to one, right? Outnumber yeah. the the what do you call them? Those that aren't slaves. <laughs> well, merchants and nobles free and, to do what they want. Yeah, people, citizens. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, in our ratio, not to keep coming back to our situation. I'm not encouraging a rebellion necessarily yet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, our ratio is more like 95 to 5. For sure. And, <laughs> so, and, and maybe it doesn't get violent, Scad, but what you're referring to, I think, is a lot of people are seeing. And I think it could lead to, a, this is a strong word, but a revolution of sorts. It's, yeah. And, and I think yeah. it's opened a lot of eyes. None of this was in my notes, Matt. Nope, me neither. I have um, nothing in here about, <laughs> well, I do have a little bit about slavery, but I mean, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so all this, just when we get to the part about slavery and Mir and Tyrosh and Lise, we covered it already. So. To some degree, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I have to hit the blood thing again real quick before we move on. Mm. The, the blood thing is it's a big thing for me. I talk about it every time it comes up. Um, the Valyrian blood is still greatly prized in some of these cities, right? Mm-hmm. Especially Big at least, and we'll come more to that later, but in all of them to some degree. Um, especially the, the the three daughters. But it's interesting that you don't, like like everyone in the three daughters claims it and like owns it and wants it. And it's interesting you don't have that at all in Westeros. Even though they're more rare, right? And they're the leaders, or were for a long time, they're the kings of the land. There's people all over the place that have Valyrian blood. And you don't see it that often. Where they're, you know, like touting it and celebrating it. And, you know, it's more like they kind of hide it. Yeah, it's definitely, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, how often do you hear about Valerions being proud of, of having Valerion blood? Valerion is such like a, and it's such like a decrepit house at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just an interesting dichotomy between the three cities and, and Westeros that it is, even though they're the Kings, like that, like they ruled for how many years and yet 300 or close. And I wonder if, I wonder if that changed after Robert's rebellion, if that was kind of the, the attitude shift there where people became less proud of it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'll be interested to see if that if that gets broken up more in, in Fire and Blood and you see some more of that as the years go on of people just kind of... You know, I always use this example. Was it uh, uh, Baylor or Raina? I think it was Raina uh, that ended up marrying... Uh, was it a, a Hightower or a, a guard? So somebody somebody in, in the Reach and they had six daughters. Well, those six daughters have Targaryen blood. And they pass that Targaryen blood on to other children, probably. And mm-hmm. then, you know, nine generations later, there's hundreds of families with Targaryen blood. And they don't really, they don't seem to celebrate it the same. It's not, yeah, it's not something they're proud of yeah. Yeah, in particular. Anyway, just a blood thing. Let's keep going. You got blood's overrated. Blood's overrated. Uh, no, I really want to get to this question from Lindsay, man. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. It stumped me for a while. So we didn't ask the fingers uh, this time. Uh, we, we asked our patrons if they had any questions for us about the text or life or anything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Most of the questions we got had nothing to do with or anything. Fire. Yep. Mm-hmm. So enjoy. We love them. <laughs> Which characters from Parks and Rec are each of you most similar to? Matt picks for Scad and vice versa. Also, who are each of your favorite minor characters from the show? Um, so the non-Parks crew. Uh-huh. This was, from, uh, this was from Lindsay, who's uh, Dr. Lindsay, one of our favorite Doc. blood writers. She's been with us for a long time. Yeah. I yeah. hope I, ha- I, I meant to reach out to you, Lindsay, to see how you're doing with all this. Hopefully you're getting some rest and staying safe and... Uh, I imagine you're on the front lines working awful hard for us. So appreciate what you're doing. Um, yeah, I can start. I had a hard time narrowing it down, Scott. Me too. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cheater. I got, I got, I got, you're, you're a combo of four characters to me. Okay. Um, don't be offended. 
but you got some Leslie. Nope Same in goes you, man. for you. You got some Leslie Nope in you, man. All right. You're very detail oriented. You're very particular. You see stuff through to the end. All those are good things. Um, you've definitely got some of the crassness of a Ron Swanson. Uh, so you've got Leslie, you've got Ron, um, you've got some Ben Wyatt in you. You can be wound a little tight sometimes. You'll admit that. I would have, I would have picked Ben for myself probably, Uh but I'm Uh, not as cool as he is. So it's not a perfect fit. uh, I disagree. Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of, he's not, he's not cynical necessarily, but he's pretty realistic about things. Yeah. Um, it's a very logical thinker, and you've got that. But then, then you've also you've got kind of this playful, sassy side to you too. And so I'm going to throw in a Donna Meagle as well. Donna. <laughs> so you, Scat, you heard it here first, guys. And Lindsay, here's your answer. Scaticus Thompson is Leslie, Ron, Ben, and Donna. You know, do you want to do your minor character or do you want me to do this and then we'll both do our minor characters? Uh, let's do this and we'll do minors. Okay. Parks and Rec is an interesting show and I've, I've had the conversation about it versus The Office several times and these are not competitions uh, unless someone makes them competitions with me. Mm-hmm. But I prefer, I prefer Parks and Rec over The Office because Heck I yeah. feel like the characters are... They're characters. They have absolutely. They're silly, and they're they're caricatures in a way. Um, they're overdone, right? But there's there's a realness to them that is different than Creed, who is just a shtick. He's a walk. Mm-hmm. He's a walking joke, uh, as as are many of the characters in the. As office. is Kevin and I and Kevin and I mean that I mean that affectionately to some to some way. It, it works for the show and it's fine. I don't really mean it that negatively, but that, that's why I prefer Parks and Rec. Right. Um, but the, I do. I, I there are, there are there are chinks in that armor, and don't get offended either, Matt, uh, because I picked Leslie for you. <laughs> yes. Um, and I don't know why we're offended because she's great. Um, People I, don't like to be compared to Leslie. They take it as a slight. But well, here's the thing: she's fierce about protecting the things that she loves. Mm-hmm. That's true. It, she's very loyal. She knows exactly what she values. She values way too many things, and that makes her swamped 100% of the time. Uh-huh. But she manages it, mostly with a smile, so that you never know, right? Right. That it's not all, that it's not all under the cover. And this is where the show falls down, is that I, those things have a cost to you, Matt. And I've, you know, over the years, I've seen that cost only a couple times where you mm-hmm. let your guard down and, and show it, and you never get that from Leslie. It's one of the, it's one of the weaknesses of the show. I think you almost never get that side of her, where you get to see this dramatic broken down moment. Mm-hmm. And I wish I wish we did. Um, so, you know, despite constant the camera constantly being in her face, you don't really get any of the damage that this type of lifestyle and caring so much mm-hmm. does to her. It's handled that's comedically. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's that's where the comparison comes in for you, is that you are fierce about protecting the things you love. You love a lot of things fiercely. And you fight for them till the end, and with 100% effort. And you mostly manage it with a smile, despite, you know, the fact that it's not easy what you're doing. Well, uh, thank you, first of all. That's very nice of you to say. 
Leslie's there's that there's that little recurring joke that her house is always a mess, right? That everything's yes. in order except where she lives, and, and <laughs> I guess that's that, that'd be kind of me too. I manage it with a smile, but on the inside, actually, my house is quite clean, but uh, on the inside, sometimes I'm a mess. But, I didn't like mean you to said, say that you're cost. a mess. I just meant that there are costs. No, I'm saying it. I'm saying it, and there, there is a cost. There are yeah. costs to living so fiercely, and um, so that uh, that's my comparison for you. Sweet. I'll take uh, it, man. It's nice of you to say. My favorite minor character, and I'm going to jump on it before you do, is Bobby Newport. Bobby Newport. I, I can't imagine it's different for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's one thing that I love about Parks. I love what you said about the fleshed out kind of main characters. But what makes it real to me, too, is that these recurring minor characters can come in and out of the show. And you feel... They don't feel just like caricatures. They feel like actual people that are living in the community with them and that they naturally run into every once in a while and yeah. that they're living these lives off camera that you don't see but you believe is it's actually happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're pretty brilliantly written even though they're not on camera all the time. And there's so many. I couldn't narrow it down. So Jean-Ralphio is my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the worst. The worst. <laughs> worst um uh, speaking of the worst i love jeremy jam too i think he's absolutely hilarious i love what they do with his character how he secretly feels like leslie yeah and leslie's his best friend yes he considers leslie nope his best friend in the world but he's just rotten to her and it's this interesting like you could do a whole character study on why he thinks that way and stuff yes um who i've come to really like in recent rewatches and I've rewatched parks and rec at least eight or nine times, probably oh all the way through. I've watched it a lot. Um, I've started to like Jennifer Barkley. Oh, she's my second. She was <laughs> in case you picked Bobby Newport. She was my backup. She's great. She, uh, for those who don't remember, she is the uh, campaign manager that comes up helping Leslie and Ben every once in a while. Um, she's delightful. She, she brings like stark, like Washington realism to their politics, uh-huh. right? To like their local folksy politics. Right. That's, that's nice to see. And, but just like the ways that she's kind of a mess too. And yeah, in her own way. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then um, Craig, who comes up in uh, later okay. seasons, yeah. Craig Middlebrooks. I considered him part of the crew because he does join the office. Because he does kind of, yeah. yeah, he joins yeah. at the end. He's on it's there okay. quite a bit. And I drove her here. <laughs> He's no. She drove me here. There's. He has. Have you watched his Craig on the Street show? You can find it on no, Netflix. It's just it. him running around and like crazily stopping people on the street and asking them questions and stuff. Is it good? It's pretty. I mean, I only watched a few episodes, but it's pretty funny. And it's really? you know, it's him. It's him being crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So those are my favorite miners, along with Bobby Newport. Yeah. But, all right. There All right. Well, there, there you have it, Lindsay. I hope you liked our answers. Uh, I think we both put a lot of time into that one. Oh, yeah. That's, which, which is good because some of the other some questions. Some of the others that... maybe a little less. <laughs> You'll find out. No offense, question askers, but. I'm looking at you, Moats. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're, we're moving through to Norvos. I wasn't going to name names, buddy, but Aaron's Listen, a good boy. He can handle it. I don't hold back. <laughs> the ancient nobility of Norvos lives in the upper city, dominated by the great fortress temple of the bearded priests. 
The poor huddle below amongst the wharves, brothels, and beer halls that line the, the riverfront. The two parts of the city are joined only by a massive stone stair called the Sinner's Steps. So, <laughs> Norbos is a city on a high hill on the banks of the River Noin. It's walled, and its sister town at the base of its walls, kind of as alluded to in the quote there, is right along the muddy river itself. It's it's also protected, though, by a, a timber palisade and moats and ditches. So it's, you know, it's a reasonably well-fortified place. As you might guess, and as the quote alluded to, the well-to-do and ruling class priests live up in the walled-off city up top, and the rest of them in relative squalor below. Um, the Norvosi hold sway, if you... Sakansus Mapas, uh, they, they hold sway basically between the upper Roin and the dank water the dark water the dark water mm, dank uh and basically all the way from lorath down to to where the rivers converge at nice are so a, pr- a pretty a pretty big territory a territory that would be mm, about the size of the reach a little bit smaller than the reach um if you're if you're looking at it on you know in scale of westeros pretty big area um so it's bordered then um by Bravos, kind of on the west, Kohor on the east, um, and then Lorath on the north, and then kind of nobody, maybe river people. That area seems kind of abandoned mostly uh, to the south on the rivers. Um, so anyway, uh, it's a land of forests and rivers and caves, farming, hunting, gathering, uh, and towns kind of scattered throughout that that territory I just described. Um, like the other free cities, it was founded by Valyrians, um, but there were people here before that. Andals were the most likely dwellers uh, that, that made up the land before, before the Valyrians showed up. Um, they were driven out by hairy Ibanese like men from the east, and then they were conquered by the Roinar, who didn't really like it, I guess, and left. Um, we all know the story of where the Roinar ended up. Um, so, like some of the free cities, it was founded, uh, like Lorath specifically, it was founded by religious dis- dissidents uh, from Valyria. Um, Valyria had kind of an open worship policy, which allowed hundreds of religions to thrive there. Though, you know, tensions rise when that's the case sometimes, when you have people with differing beliefs. So not everyone felt strongly that all of the religions should be allowed, so some of them left. Um, so... Some of those groups got big enough and powerful enough that they would fight each other off and leave and go found these other cities. And one of those was Norvos. Uh, Their religion's a little weird, man. Uh, It's very secret. We don't even know the name of the god they worship. Uh, Only those on the inner circle are told the name of the god. Their priests flagellate themselves. That's like, uh, you know, whipping yourself. Uh, They're forbidden to cut their hair, which uh, gives me... A little grief with the illustration on page 258 because all these priests look bald um unless they're not priests maybe they're the guards i guess i don't know anyway um because they do they hire uh an order of slave soldiers who are branded with a double-bladed axe on their chest and they ritually marry the long axes that they fight with does that sound familiar matt uh, uh that's we'll leave that for later something what <laughs> uh, yeah uh so these bearded priests uh with their protectors uh basically rule the city in a true theocracy one of the few around really 
in in Westeros. Um, it sounds altogether kind of a controlled environment in Upper Norvos in the Walled City. And the Lower City sounds like a bit more like King's Landing, kind of um, beer and meat and brothels and wine sinks and poor people doing all sorts of sin, which you know goes back to the sinner's steps, right? Going from lower to upper, you have to go up those sinner's steps. Yes, you do. And then the last thing kind of to note is <clears throat> that um, they have three bells that the ring throughout the day to tell the inhabitants what to do. They are called Noom, Nara, and Niel, in case you care. Um, and uh, Lomas Longstrider called them one of the nine wonders made by man. And they seem like they're probably beautiful. Yep. That's it, man. That's Norvos. Uh, pretty interesting. I guess. Yeah, religion is such a huge part of this series, Matt. It it's kind of I I didn't really think about it that much before reading this, but it's kind of surprising there aren't more true theocracies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what you really have most of the time is kind of like what you've got in King's Landing, where there's a religion there and they have sway and power, but they're not in control. Right. Um, they just have a lot of influence. Right. And yeah. And, and in some cases you might say, well, it might as well just be a theocracy. People say that about Utah, right? Sometimes it might as well be a theocracy. They uh, do. And but... there's certainly influence and, you know, most of it driven by money and things like that, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's for sure not a theocracy, but, um, yeah, kind of, uh, it kind of struck me that like, yeah, there aren't that many of them, even though yeah. there are all these, so many religions around. I think there'd be more. Right. And I like that George makes the point of not, he, he's very realistic in his depiction of religion and stuff. And the, How do you mean? I just mean like, well, if you were to tell me, if you were to, the question has been asked, which religion would you belong to if you lived in this world? And I've never been able to answer that question because there's so much I like and so much I don't like. And some I like more than others, but there's nothing that just like rings true to me. But, uh, of the religion of the religions of this world, you mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I suppose that none of them, none of them are great. (laughs) None of them are great. No. No. I mean, the old people, people cling to the old gods. Sometimes it was like, they want blood too, man. Yes, they do. And, and the old God seems like a very just like natural, homegrown religion of just like being very in touch with nature. But there's some sinister stuff going there's on. There's some really sinister <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so, I don't know. But but so much of religion, too, is like, I mean, even in in the religion that I'm a part of, there are some things that kind of bug me or, or that sort of rub me the wrong way but that all comes back to to an issue of faith sometimes where you go yeah. you know i don't understand this but maybe the point isn't for me to understand it all and and you know maybe the point is for me to to have some faith in a higher power that he knows what's going on or she knows what's going on or they know what's going on and uh i just have to trust in them once in a while yeah and so, so much of it is, yeah, I think the the uh, the idea of being completely satisfied with your religion or something 
is maybe an unrealistic idea because that takes all the faith kind of out of it in a sense. I don't know. Yeah, I can I can buy that. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll tell you what I tell you what reeks of George though is these sinner steps. Hmm. The you know the elite religious group naming the steps to get to the holy city above the sinner's steps just to imply how awful those are that are below them. You that's are a, terrible. Come up to us. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's so George. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Why do you think the Valerians let these sects of people leave to build these cities? They talk about it a little bit in the text, right? Is it in this section where they talk about yeah. kind of the religious freedom that the Valerians kind of offered to their Yeah, people? well, I mean, they, they kind of like what we were talking about before with politics. They kind of say some people thought that, you know, it was a way to keep them divided and not unified by having all these different religions sort of one to kind of unify them. Right. Uh, was one thing. Other people just said that it was an elitist that they felt that that's what an elite society would have. An, an erudite society would have freedom to worship whoever you want. And so that's what the Valerians did because they were the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's kind of some different thoughts on it. But it seems like if, if you buy the control thing, you know, why are they kind of letting them get out? I mean, maybe they want them to get out so they can go set up cities and increase trade and kind of increase their footprint. But in doing that, they kind of lost... And, and seemed to not care that they were losing overt control over these people. Right. Which kind of makes me think that they really didn't, or they didn't care as much, or they felt like, you know, if there was a problem, just like in Lorath all those years dragons. ago, they could send a hundred yeah. dragons and just fix it. Yeah. So, yeah, go do what you want. And as long as you're doing good by us, then that's fine. But Yeah, we don't get details on like, were they paying some sort of, you know, kickback or tithe or something back mm-hmm. to Valyria. We don't we don't get much about that. I mean, they were right. free, independent cities, so right. maybe, maybe not. But it just it just struck me as odd. Um, but maybe maybe they yeah they just wanted to increase their footprint a little bit. Go ahead, spread your wings, go for it. You want to do this? Go for it. Yeah, just don't cause problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When those would find the tolerance of the freehold to be intolerable. I mean, it just it just doesn't sound like the Valerians would just be that easygoing about it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they're slavers. They're dry. They're you know, doing all sorts of untold, terrible things to the people that are you know working their land and the fires and the heat and. Uh, well, maybe that was maybe I think of them as being of an oppressive people. Right, but their their empire was so big. That maybe just like a little sect, like the Boashi, yeah. just weren't even a spot on their radar. <laughs> you know, it's like they didn't even notice they left. What are these? What are these hundred people doing leaving? Right. I don't know. They're probably going on an errand. Just who cares? We got these fifty thousand to deal with. Right. We've got yeah. the mines. We've got uh, all that inbreeding we're doing down in Gogoso. Yeah. So we got all yeah. sorts of stuff to worry about. We, yeah. Yeah. That maybe that was part of it. I don't know. All right. I'll let it go. Uh, probably don't want to bring that up. Got that coming up later. Um, you want? Let's see. 
these guards of the priests are actual slaves. Um, yeah. Hota doesn't feel like a slave, though. No, he doesn't. No. And so he originally came over with Malario. Yeah. Malario leaves, goes back to Norvos. Hota stays. But it feels like he's staying kind of out of loyalty. And obviously slavery, you don't have that in Westeros, especially in a place like Dorne where, you know, they're, they're even more liberal than yeah. Westeros is. Um, not that Westeros is very liberal, but uh, Westeros is quite conservative, actually. Yes. So Dorne being as liberal as it is definitely isn't going to have slavery. Dorne doesn't have slaves. Though I, I guess Hota was maybe freed by Malario before she went back. I don't know. but Or freed before he came with her. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's look, there's a lot we don't know about that whole relationship. You know, why 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 did he go look for a wife in Norvos to begin with? It's a little mm-hmm. weird. Why mm-hmm. did she leave? The the reason they gave, we'll talk about this later. The reason they gave is it doesn't add up super well. Um the you know, why why would Ario stay when he was with her, not with you know, not with Dor- Doran. It's right. weird. It's weird. I mean the implication is that he loved the kids, to me, anyways. That he, Ario, yeah, that he was devoted, especially to Ariane. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, that right. definitely comes across in his POV for sure. But uh, enough to stay. Yeah, it seems. Well, maybe maybe Malario was not a nice woman. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's like, I'm staying with these people. <laughs> um, we don't know. We know very little, right? Like, it's kind of frustrating how little we know about it. Which is interesting, considering he's a, he's a POV character. Yeah, he would know more. But. Yeah, yeah, George segmenting off parts of their brain that we don't get access to. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Yeah, I kind of said it before, but this place does kind of feel a lot like King's Landing to me. Yeah, with kind of the ruling, it, the separation between yeah. the ruling class and everyone else. Um, there's kind of a rocky relationship with the faith and the people a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the hills and the wall the, you know the hills have the, the rain is hill all, all the hills in king's landing have walls right and mm-hmm. there's a wall here and the, the lower population also with the walls i, I guess yeah, Norv- norvos in general and its surrounding area kind of remind me more of westeros than most of essos does it feels point. A, a little bit germanic almost mm-hmm. you know like yeah. Yeah, good point. All right. You got anything else you want to move on? Not really. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> All right, let's do it. You got another ask the fingers. Oh, uh, uh real quick, just yes. another little connection between Westeros and Essos is we talked about the mazes before. How about these caverns that they mention under Norvos? Oh, yeah. And that again reminded me talking about the children of the forest, thinking about that network of caves up north that some say extend beyond the wall and even down to Winterfell. Yeah. So I'm wondering with the Ifikevron close by, potentially the ancestors of the children of the forest, if there's some connection there. Again, the next question that I would ask is so what? Um, and I'm not feeling as creative about making a connection as I was with Lorath. So. And, cons- and consulting the map also, when we say close by for the Ifikevron, <laughs> it's roughly the entire 
top to bottom length of Westeros <laughs> if it kept run away from Novos in these caves. But, it's like know, the palm of my it's, hand away. It's like it's 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 basically from the neck to Dorne. It's far. But, okay, you know, okay. Relatively okay. Close. Yes. You yeah. got me. You got yeah. me. <laughs> but I get what you mean though. The the, right. the cultures are there. They move, the people move, they don't stay put, they're not rocks. So yeah. Maybe right. the cave goes under the narrow sea. Yeah, maybe and there's it connects a all of Planetos. Uh-huh. Connects all of Planetos. That's my uh my Ted. <laughs> are you are you a Bill and Ted guy? You probably missed yeah. Bill and Ted. No, I got Bill oh, and Ted. Right. I went through a really big Bill and Ted thing in high school where I watched it a lot, so when we play Ninja Turtles, I play Ninja Turtles with uh, with Pippin a lot, and basically that mm-hmm. consists of him watching me do voices and move the turtles around because he <laughs> likes the voices I do. You're so enchanting. Uh huh. And I do a my Michelangelo is kind of like a like a stoner kind of uh-huh. guy. It's pretty good. Oh, I wish my kids were more into turtles. <laughs> Chewie went through a brief phase, but yeah, yeah. All right, we're ready for Ask the Fingers? Let's do another one. This one's from Lady Fatass Red, probably my favorite name of our Patreon supporters. (laughs) Uh, I like uh, Healer of the Lesser Poxes. That's also also good, Archmaster June. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Lady Fatass Red, thanks for this awkward question. Right. She's asked us to bang, Mary kill, Doc Antler, Joe Exotic, and in her words, Carol fucking Baskin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she asks a, a, a secondary question. On a serious note, any interest in the Witcher series so far? Well, Lady Fatasher, I don't know whether you, by saying it's not a serious note, you didn't want us to answer it, but we're going to answer it. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll lead off. Okay. And I'll just start with the fact that I have only seen very small snippets of this, like under under a half hour total for sure. Of Witcher? Uh, no, the tiger of, show. of the tiger, the tiger show. What's it called? What tiger... is that? What is that actually called? Oh, uh, I'm not. I can't. I don't even. Nope. I don't know. I, <laughs> the tiger show. So I, don't, I don't feel Let like grab promoting my phone. It. I think everybody knows what, what we're, we're talking, talking about. about. Yeah, it's this um, weird cultural tiger phenomenon. king. Tiger murder, king. mayhem, and madness is what it's called. So <laughs> this is the answer you're going to get, lady. Yeah, this is how educated we are on this. <laughs> so get ready. I despise pretty much every one of them from what I could tell in the half hour or so that I watched. Mm. And I hate the storytelling even more than the people. Like, oh. I, and I, I say storytelling as an insult because this thing masquerades as like a documentary kind of, but it feels way more like TMZ, like, like mm. dramatic storytelling masquerading as a documentary so my opinion is uninformed for sure and skews heavily negative from the get-go just based on that opinion that said i'm marrying carol because apparently she's rich and who knows maybe she'll die first there's a theory out there that she's killed her husband so i'll have to avoid that you know but Mm -hmm. um you know maybe i'll get her money um I'm killing Doc because, again, and I know, I don't want this to be, like, slander. I don't want him to, like, come after me legally because, again, I've seen half an hour. But the dude seems like a rapist cult leader to me in the very limited amount of time I got to watch. Uh, oh, crap. And I'm fucking Joe Exotic because he's left. I don't know anything about the guy. <laughs> I, I don't know. 
All right. That's my um, answer. The half hour combined that you've watched is a half hour more than I've watched. Good for I you. Know who none of these people are. Uh, my wife is upstairs watching it right now, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Good Aowen, honor. A- Aowen's into it. Go ahead. Okay. I, I heard that once you start, you can't stop. Um, I don't know. I think there's a certain twisted pride in having never watched something that everyone else is watching. Scott I don't know at all what that. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. all what that feels like. <laughs> what do you, whatever do you mean? Uh, but my ignorance is mostly just due to me watching other things. I just got a ton of other things on the list, and this hasn't really caught my fancy. So I'm just going based purely on name. I seriously have no idea who any of these people are. I did not look them up online to even look at their pictures before <laughs> this. Um, so I'm going with. Uh, the person I'll bang is Joe Exotic because he's exotic, and I guess that sounds, sounds cool. Fun. Um, I'd marry, I'd marry Doc because he's a doctor, and should have some money. And I would uh, the leftover is Carol because I never met a Carol I actually liked. So I'm just joking. Even I, a Christmas Carol? I probably have met. I probably have met a Carol I've liked. But yeah. The second half of so of the I'm going with. the second half of the question is about The Witcher, which is a video game and novel and, and now a Netflix series as well. Um, it's not one that Matt, you and I have discussed covering. We've talked about covering a lot of different series, um, mm-hmm. but I will say this: Matt Mercer of Critical Role, which is my favorite thing to watch of anything of any kind. Uh, he loves it. Mm-hmm. He's obsessed with The Witcher, mm. the books. So I've, the books. I have been interested in yeah, I have been interested in re- and the games. Uh, he's a voice actor, so he's all about that kind of stuff too. But uh, I have been interested in reading it. Uh, the show didn't really grab me like it grabbed everybody else, but I, I admit I was pretty distracted when I tried. Oh, yeah. I watched it and I finished it, um, but it didn't, it didn't like enchant me. I, yeah. It was good. It was good enough for me to finish watching and be interested and like it and... I'll watch season two if and when it comes. But uh, yeah, the books are on my list as well. Yeah. We'll see if I'd we like get to, to them. There's that's, like seven or eight of them. That's all I have to that's, say about that. That's all I have to say about that. Let's move on to Cohort then. All right. Let's do Cohort. Uh, according to Maester Pohl, the true reason for his final exile was his discovery of blood sacrifices, including the killing of slaves as young as infants, which the Cahoric smiths used in their efforts to produce a steel to equal that of the freehold. Mm. Ominous, Cohor, described as sinister by the author, and sometimes called the City of Sorcerers, Cohor uh, is the easternmost of the free cities, and in my estimation, actually one of the... <sighs> I hate to say this in light of the blood sacrifice we just talked about, but one of the coolest cities, if, you know, if I had to rank the free cities, Kohor would be near the top for me. Yeah, maybe. Um, it is known to be a haven for the dark arts, div- divination, necromancy, even blood magic. Uh, but the practice of such is not as open as, say, in a shy. In fact, I, I've come to refer to Kohor as a shy light. Um, The god of Kohor, the black goat, demands daily sacrifice, which is usually satisfied by calves, bullocks, or horses. But on the rare occasions, you know, like holidays and such, a condemned criminal will be offered up. That's something special. 
We have a Christmas ham. They offer up condemned criminals. It's even been said that in times of danger, uh, children are offered in exchange for protection of the city. Despite this dark undertone, Kohor is one of the most well-to-do of the free cities, largely due to its positioning within the forest that bears its name, where the original settlers of the city first set up a lumber camp. So these vast woods, the forest of Kohor, greatest in all of Essos, and never even fully explored, supply timber up and down the Rhoyne. And Kohor, of course, is happy to peddle it, along with furs, pelts, silver, tin, and even amber uh, coming from the, from the great forest uh, that they ship from their docks along the river Coin. Adding to this list of resources is its talented artisans, who work in everything from cloth, linen, wood, and weaponry. Uh, in fact, fun fact, only here in Kohor has the art of reworking Valyrian steel been preserved. So that's pretty rad. <clears throat> uh, in addition to its geographical location of being right next to a forest full of resources, Kohor has also become a hub for trade as the quote-unquote gateway to the east. It's the last you know gas station for hundreds of miles. And it's here that caravans and other travelers stop to be outfitted before continuing to Veastothrak or other lands beyond, <clears throat> or those coming from that opposite direction. This trade and consistent traffic only adds to the richness of Kohor, in addition to adding kind of an exotic element to the city. Uh, despite their prosperity, the people of Kohor are not warlike. Instead, they focus on growing their wealth through business. Uh, protection of the city, they don't even have their own military force. They hire, or they hire, <laughs> silly uh, me. Uh, nope. They've purchased, or they purchase, unsullied. The slave warriors uh, that cost a lot of money, uh, whose stalwartness is a thing of legend. Especially in Kohor, where 400 years prior, 3,000 unsullied are reported to have held off a Dothraki Kalasar of 50,000 until the Kal who was leading the, uh, the Kalasar actually gave up and left. So they were like, they charged at the unsullied like 18 or 19 times or something like that. And the Unsullied stood strong each time. And, wow, talk about cementing a, a, a reputation. So, but however sinister their nature seems to be, Kohor seems to be one of the most, in my estimation, put together of the free cities. They kind of have things figured out in terms of their using their resources, putting taking advantage of all the resources they have, of having lots of different types of... Um, uh, people that are doing different things and businesses coming throughout the city. Uh, but I don't know. Does that really excuse the darkness that lingers beneath it all? I don't know. But that's it. But... Excuse the darkness underneath it all. I don't know how dark it is. Uh, you know, daily blood sac sacrifice. How many people live there? They're definitely killing, killing a cow or a pig every day anyway. Uh, you know, just tag every tag a butcher a day and tell him to bring something that he's gonna kill anyway, and bring it up to the thing, and you know, slip the blood. The or is it? Or is it more like uh, you know? Do you just need to like cut your thumb open? Like how much blood are we talking about here? Like <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's a it's a very old testament, you right? The law of Moses. Uh, you know, you wanted a certain thing from God, you sacrificed an animal to do it. So, 
Uh, maybe it's more like Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors, where he's like feeding ah, the plant. Now we're his, talking. You know, with his thumb. Now we're talking. Just needs a little blood, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just a drop. Suddenly, Seymour. <laughs> it's a good one, you guys. Legend, legendary. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I not so bad. Killing criminals, not good. Uh, certainly, we've seen that in other cultures, the Bible and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. For sacrifice, not a good thing for sure. The the child thing sounds bad. They're always slaves, which you know, again, underscoring, you know the point about slavery we made earlier just kind of they don't consider them people it's oh we need a sacrifice all right this guy's march this guy over here this guy's got blood um yeah. but you know so not good it, ne- never good you know we talked about the old bloods and demanding blood sacrifices and stuff I'm, I'm not saying it's good i'm just you know i one person a day in a giant city or one animal <laughs> a day rather in a giant city not so terrible right as long as the human sacrifices are extremely rare I feel like uh, I never thought much of about Kohor. It doesn't come up much in the text yeah. in the main series, but yeah. I realized it's because like the only well, there's more Kohorics that we know, but the only one that appears on the page with any sort of regularity is Vargo Hoat. Yeah, <clears throat> and he just kind of gives him a bad name. I mean, other than that, these guys kind of rock. There's hunters, foresters, artisans, yeah. weapon makers, armorers. Like, yeah. And it's kind of, it's it's like, it's a rich city, like you said, and they have artisans and things, but its richness isn't in things, it's in, like, skills and resources yeah. that have to be, like, worked for. So nobody wants to come and conquer this city just because it's on the ocean in a, a prime location spot or has gold or gems. It's, it's their, their primary thing is lumber. You gotta work your ass off to make the money off the lumber in that town. Nobody wants to come conquer that city and just, like, you know, take its stuff. You ever try to take lumber? It's a pain in the ass, right? So we could take over this town, but then we'd uh, have to become lumber guys. Lumberjacks. I'm not not skilled at lumberjacking, are you? No, Tim. Uh, So... So it's yeah, it's kind of a cool town in that way. It's it's like a, it's almost like a working class rich town, if you will. You know, yeah. Like they're rich from their labor. It's kind of cool. Blue collar, yeah. 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 Um, is there a lumber town in Westeros? I started wondering, like, where where do they get all their lumber from? Like, I know there are different woods, but like, I don't know. You don't hear you don't hear that same story about like them, you know, shipping. Tons of lumber down the down the river to each other and stuff. Yeah, you really don't. I mean, the north obviously is very wooded. Yeah, uh, you've got some woods, you know, kind of to the south of King's Landing. Yeah, um, King's yeah, Wood. Yep. But really, I mean, the reach is pretty open land. The rainwood is so far isolated. I don't know. I just right. started. I mean, they're, you know, they that's a good a point. lot of shit. Like, where do they get all their lumber from? Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Didn't think about that until I saw all the stuff about Kohor and this giant wood they have. Yeah, it's a good thought. Which is, you know, roughly, I don't know, one and a half times as big as the wolf's wood, maybe. This mm-hmm. thing. So it's pretty big. Nothing compared to the Ifekevron wood, but... You've got all sorts of parties happening up there, man. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite sentence in this is "Many mysteries and wonders at its heart." 
I'm just talking about the 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 wood there. Mm-hmm. Force of Cohor. It's like thanks. Thanks for that glittering generality that tells me nothing. Uh that was George just playing with us some more. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. No, anytime I see one of those I blame Elio and, and Linda. Like, Sorry, well, guys. Well, we didn't get the answer from George in time. <laughs> and the editor needs the manuscript for this chapter right now. So it's like literally they had it like uh, highlighted. <laughs> they had it highlighted for like filling in details later. And it was publishing day, and they're just like unhighlight it and just leave it many, many mysteries. And yep. Blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's at some con. We're not going to get this from him in time. Yeah. So, okay. We love you, George. Stay yep, safe out there, buddy. Of course, of course. Uh, I didn't cover this in my um, summary at all, but they talk about. Do you pronounce it lemurs or lemurs? I say lemurs. Me too. Okay, good. Um, he throws in this little thing about lemurs that come from the Isles originally down south, but uh-huh. somehow they got up to Cohor. Yep. But what's interesting about these lemurs is they have silver white fur and purple eyes. So they're like little Valyrian lemurs. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Interesting that George would even bring this up. You know what I think so, this is? Oh, sorry. You got something? You got something. Go ahead. I want to hear it. I'm sorry for even bringing it up. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> I feel terrible for even bringing this up. And I'm sorry that you all have to hear me bring it up. All I'm going to say is that in our last episode, we talked about Gagosos, where all sorts of inbreeding and stuff happened. Uh-huh. Put together the, pir- the rest. The pirate isle? Slave women uh-huh. and beasts are what it talks about, mating slave women with beasts. And you think this is the result? And that's where my mind meant, man. I can see the why your mind went there. Are a product of mating between Valyrians and some sort of beast. No result, I'm, lemur. I'm going to say this, and I mean it. You've had a that's better new. Man. You've had a better new theory on this episode. <laughs> and that being Jacques and Nagar and his magic key in, in the Dragon Isle <laughs> because he knows the mazes of Laura. <laughs> uh. I when I read oh, the this places the mind can go <laughs> when I read this all I thought was oh uh, the maester found something he knows about because there's one at the citadel so he put it in the lemurs yeah yeah because he yeah. happens to know something for sure so he's like oh this is something i know for sure about cohort i'll put it in for sure this is a detail everyone will care about that i know for certain adds credibility evidence yeah. yeah yeah i also i don't have any connection to this but i just thought of you know ghost looking very much like a weirwood tree mm-hmm. uh the white and the red eyes and stuff and i don't know that i made that connection of animals looking like certain they're carrying certain traits and thought it was interesting but again i don't have any connection to that i don't know what to say (sighs) i think they're lemurs 
<laughs> but I but I like your explanation right. better. Okay. So <laughs> I spent I mean, a lot it, more time in the gutter thinking about this. Here, here's <laughs> okay, here's what I'll say to lend to your to your theory, all right? And this is a completely different world than ours, but lemurs Professor Scad coming out, I'm sure almost everyone knows this, but lemurs are only found on Madagascar other than zoos, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where, they're, where they're held. So this is an argument people use for evolution and things all the time, um, but uh, they're only found in that one spot. So maybe lemurs were really only found in that one spot below, brought back to Valeria like you're mm-hmm. talking about, or an animal like the lemur, and experimented on and used in the way that you're talking about. Right. Because... As far as we know, they're now only found in the forest of Kohor, and so we're brought maybe up with these religious black goat worshippers, and uh, there they are. Maybe there the religious a, dissidents that, that went to Kohor were the ones in charge of of the the, the little Valyrian experiment, <laughs> fat Valyrian little boy, and <laughs> and they brought them with them to Kohor. We are we off are having the an episode, rails. my friend. Off we are having an episode. The rails. This is this is really something, guys. Okay, I'm going to bring it back really to the story. Something special. It says in the um, quote that we okay. gave, their efforts to produce a steel that uh, to equal that of the freehold. So mm-hmm. we talk about dragon steel. Sam Sam finds a reference to dragon steel. He's in the library up there at uh, at uh, the wall. And then we, we know we have we have Valyrian steel. And so I'm wondering if Valyrian steel is the cohoric knockoff of dragon steel. They're like, it's not quite right. We can't call it dragon steel. But we're Valyrian. It's ours. Let's call it Valyrian steel. And that's mm-hmm. what we have now is Valyrian steel that the cohorics know how to do. Um, and it's not dragon steel, but it's very similar. What do you think? How's that for a theory? You hate it. I like it. Ugh. No, I don't hate it. Is dragon steel and Valyrian steel are they meant to be synonymous though? I think we're meant to think that. And until I read this one sentence proves a steel so to equal that yeah. of the freehold. Right. Meaning right. the freehold yeah. knew how to make dragon steel, and the Cahoriks had some of that knowledge. And they figured it out mostly, but it's not exactly the same. So they don't call it dragon steel; they call it their own thing. Right. Or maybe it's just a branding thing. And it's exactly the same, and they're like, "Fuck them! We're calling it Valyrian steel, not dragon steel." It's like when you, the Zune versus the iPod yes, back in the day, something like that. Right? Because I looked it up too. The Valyrian steel and dragon. And when you when you look up dragon steel on the Wiki of Ice and Fire, it, it actually to redirects steel. to Valyrian steel. And I was like, oh, <sighs> what is this wiki mean? just shooting my theory down. Thanks, Wiki. Well, but like you're saying, maybe we're meant to think that the Valir the the wiki is written by fans. So, but yeah, it it was interesting. It, originally, what I had kind of just assumed was that the Cahoric knew how to make Valyrian steel, but the chapter that quote indicates. That it wasn't necessarily Valyrian steel. They were trying to match Valyrian steel. Yes. In creating, right? Now, they can rework Valyrian steel. In other words, create take Valyrian steel that has already been created and 
rework it into something, i.e. what Tapo Mott did um, with the great sword ice. Yeah. Uh, but as far as creating it from quote unquote scratch. So you don't think they're not. successful in doing I it? I don't know. Well, that's what I've wondered. Like Taiwan is so focused on getting a sword. Like, why don't you just send a party of 50 to cohort and buy seven of them to get it? Yeah. yeah. You'd think that if that would be a pretty popular thing. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So that would lead me to believe that no, they're not completely successful. Yeah. It would. You, right. Why do you think uh, any ideas why why Kohor was the place that where this art of at least reworking the Valyrian steel was preserved as opposed to if anywhere else? Well, so they have these lemurs, okay, and then <laughs> see where I'm going. No clue. No, I mean they're skill they're skilled artisans, and it's something that they happen to bring with them. No, I don't have anything. Yeah. Got to be something to do with the lemurs. Probably. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that's all I got. Uh, you ready for Ask the Fingers? Yeah. All right, Ask the Fingers. This one from Aaron Motes. And if you don't know Aaron, this is exactly the kind of question that he would send. You should get to know him. He's a great, he's a great guy. Uh, we sat and bonded over Star Wars books and pizza at Ice and FireCon and had an absolutely lovely time. He's yeah, a, he's a great guy. He's a he's a great friend of the podcast. And to, but he also asked this question. But he, sometimes he asks things like this. So, <laughs> is Baby Yoda you know. actually Howland Reed? And we like Aaron enough that we put that question on the podcast. Is Baby Yoda actually Howland Reed? No. And our audience um, no. is now dumber for having listened to this. <laughs> Mission accomplished, Motes. Well played. I'm sure that's what you were intending. I, I did answer his question with a question. So if so, does that make Galbart Glover the Mandalorian and Mage Mormont Kara? Ooh. Because they're taking the baby Yoda they're to... Take, they're something. escorting? Yeah. yeah somewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Mage Mormont, Kara Dune. A serious note on Howland Reed, though, before we move away. Where he is is pretty frustrating. It's kind of, it's kind of out of his character. I mean, I know this is old news, but it's unlike him to hide there. He spent right, there's months, gotta be a reason. It's, it's not like he's afraid of leaving home. Like He mm-hmm. spent months away from the bogs when he went down to the Isle of Faces. He went south with Ned when they did that. He fought in wars and stuff. Fiercely like, loyal. He's not afraid of the world, and he's very loyal. Like, what the fuck is he doing? I don't yeah, actually care if I see on. him. But I'm interested mm-hmm. to know why he's not around. Right. Explain yourself, sir. Explain yourself and then get out of my book. <laughs> Let your kids handle it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like him to turn it over to his kids. What if he's dead, man? If the kids Could are be. just like, don't tell him that dad's dead. Yeah. Don't tell him. Figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Merlis and Tyrosh. Um, yeah. You know, one quick question. Yeah. With this Baby Yoda thing taking off, is The Mandalorian going to end up being a show about The Mandalorian or about Baby Yoda, do you think? We talked about this. Didn't we talk about this? I can't remember. Probably. Well, not not exactly that way, but I told you my thoughts on Baby Yoda. It's like, I like him too. He's very cute, but he feels like a crutch to me for the series. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody's everybody's waiting. What's Baby Yoda going to do this time? Look, he wiggled his ears. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, 
he made it's, a little sound. And he's adorable. He's I love him too. I'm happy. I want to see what he's capable of and what he can do and where it's going. But it feels like a crutch to me too. And yeah, I, I, I want the show to be a Western about the Mandalorian. Yeah. This isn't Muppet what I worry for me. Mm-hmm. What I worry is that executives, the higher ups, uh, will put on pressure on on Favreau and others in like, you got to push this Baby Yoda thing. You got to push this Baby Yoda thing. Look and how many we sold. The story, the story that Favreau had intended on telling is adjusted to make it more focused on marketing Baby Yoda. I don't think Favreau would intentionally do that. He's not the type to do that. Uh, but you never know with a corporation like Disney. So that's that's a fear that I have. But, you know, man, season one was great. I have no reason to doubt that future seasons will be awesome too. But yes. I don't know. Are we already talking about Murrelise and Tyros yet? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. No, I'm not going to talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I almost went there, and I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. The rivalries between them are long-rooted, giving rise to deep-seated enmities that have kept them divided and oft at war with one another for centuries, to the undoubted benefit of the lords and kings of Westeros. For these three rich and powerful cities, if united, would make for a formidable and dangerous neighbor. The daughters. Oh, the daughters. These three cities fight over the southwest coast of Essos constantly. Two of them are actually on islands that may have been part of the land bridge that connected Essos to Westeros, the arm of the arm of Dorne, that is. At least Tyrosh looks like it was, at least maybe. Uh Sagansu's Mapas for all this stuff. Uh, you can just kind of see it right off the uh off of the eastern coast of Dorne there, uh, where the stepsons are just north of that is Tyrosh, and kind of to the southeast is Lys. And kind of inland a little bit above the disputed lands is Myrrh by the Sea of Mirth, which is the most cleverly named uh, body of water we've got. So um, there will be no Mirth here today, though, uh, for these cities bicker and argue constantly over the disputed lands. They form an inverted isosceles triangle over a swath of land that they can never agree how to split up. So basically, they just have a never-ending war over it. They can't do it evenly or agree on it, so they just fight all the time. They have intermittent treaties, of course, that aren't worth the paper they're printed on, um, but basically they're fighting. And honestly, these guys could probably just beat everybody's ass if they would just merge, because they are very similar. They have a lot in common. They're towns of merchants, not nobles. They have similar governments run by magisters in Lys and Myrrh and by an archon in Tyrosh, but really that archon is chosen by a group of mag- magisters too, so it's it's all very similar, um, and they're all really, as Matt alluded to earlier in the episode, they're all run by slaves. They've all got three times as many slaves as free citizens. None of them have a pres- prescribed faith, and like Valyria, they, they offer freedom to worship kind of whoever you want. Um, they've all three got merchant fleets to press the city's trade, um, also to assure its success in the slave trade, too. Um, Tyrush, uh, for their slavery, will head all the way up north to the Wall to pick up free folk, as slaves, Lise searches far and wide for the prettiest uh, men and women to come back and be on display in their pillow houses. More about them later. Uh, even breeding them to get their desired results. Again, kind of back to the horrors of slavery. Um, so these these cities, as awful as they are in some ways, are are very similar. You know, like, they shouldn't be fighting. They should be, like, 
realizing they should just be one kingdom or something. But we know how that works with the Seven Kingdoms, not well. So let's dive into these cities a little bit, just talk a little bit about each one of their history. So mm. Lease itself sounds kind of like a paradise. It's a fertile island of fruit trees and cool breezes. It was actually founded as a vacation spot for Valyrian <laughs> dragon lords. They you know, apparently grew weary of beating men into submission back home and would need a rest from breaking their backs, breaking other people's backs. So uh, this they went here. It's a feast for the senses, a balm for the soul, it says. Um, and they're now known for their pillow houses. They're renowned all over the world, keeping men and women as beautiful as the sunsets Lys is known for. Uh, the blood of old Valyria runs strongest on Lys than anywhere else in the world. Moving to Tyrosh real quickly. Uh, a fascinating history, really. My Probably my favorite of these three. Uh, it started as a military outpost for controlling the shipping lanes there along the Narrow Sea, but quickly became a merchant hotbed when they found, get this, <laughs> snails. snails. It's, it's almost like George, like, picked an animal out of a hat. It was like, snails it is. I can write that. I want my book. Yeah, I was going to say, you all right? <laughs> I'm fine. The book may not have recovered. Uh, in a related note, we will not be covering the World of Ice and Fire any longer. Scott <laughs> uh, is getting into uh, Kindle books. <laughs> uh, so anyway, these snails that they find in the waters off the coast of Tyrosh, they're not just any snails. They're snails that secrete a substance that could be made into uh, a deep red dye that mm. people thought was to die for. Oh my gosh! They learned these the you know it, it, it drew a flock of merchants and you know investors and things to try to get in on this for, for the dye, and they learned how to manipulate the snails and their secretions to make all sorts of hues, and Tyrosh eventually became a hotbed for textiles and garments and anything you can dye and sell fabrics and things, mm -hmm. and they just got rich, super rich. Uh, and last we come to Mur. Uh, it's an older city than the other two. Not originally settled by Valyrians, um, but this iteration of Mur is definitely derived from the Freehold. Um, merchant adventurers basically just took it from the Andals and raised it to what it is now. It's known for lace and tapestries and lenses. They've got great craftsmen, uh, easy access to the sea to ship their goods everywhere they want to go. Um, and they're just very prosperous as a city. Mm -hmm. No cool snails, you know, but... Not yeah. everyone can have the cool snails. Not everyone can. Uh, okay, now to talk a little bit about the wars. Um, so they did actually combine forces to form the Triarchy in 96. You guys might remember this a little bit from right. our Fire and Blood coverage uh, several months ago now. Uh, Corliss and Daemon Targaryen had to fight them off for a time as the, the Triarchy actually got rid of the pirate problem in the Stepstones and then basically turned pirate themselves became pirates <laughs> they decided to, to demanded more in tribute than the pirates ever had so westeros is like no 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 this that is no. such a free city thing to do it's totally a free city thing to do uh and they so they so they went to war over that uh eventually though really it was bravos pentos and lorath that helped bring an end to the triarchy and and also a combination of that and internal squabbles uh and disputes that brought it down because these cities can't even get along during times of immense success mm. so rather than set it aside and see what good they had they resorted to their age-old disputes and so continuous war amongst them continues 
Some of these wars are just at sea, it should be noted. Two, two sets of ships meet. This is kind of interesting. There's no peace between, you know, let's say the two ships are from Myrrh and Lys. There's no peace at the time, so they fight it out. Just these two ships. That's it. It's not like a big war starts. It's just these two ships find each other and fight. The winner gets to rob the loser, and I assume they pay some sort of due to their their home city or whatever, but basically they just plunder it like pirates. Um, so the cities themselves are never touched. No citizens die other than mer- the merchants themselves that own the ships are really affected financially, you know, if they lose, except, you know, the poor bastards dying doing the fighting. But, uh, you know, their work is essential, Matt. Essential. Yeah. So, yeah. So... <laughs> The uh, land wars also, um, these would basically take place in the Great Disputed Lands area there. Um, But again, the merchants would pony up to buy sellswords. So they weren't fighting with the citizenry. They're just buying people who they value less to die for them. Yeah, like toy soldiers. It's just disgusting. Yep. Uh, It's that uh, quote from the, the 90s movie, Major Pain. Killing is my business, and business is good. I thought I we'd make it to 100 episodes without anyone quoting Major Pain. I dug deep for and that one, buddy. We almost got there. <laughs> because of all these wars and demands so for appropriate. sell swords and sell sales, there's, there are a whole lot of free companies and pirate fleets born in this area, so... They just kind of piddle about in these lands and wait for contracts to land in their lap for mm-hmm. land wars or opportunities to plunder ships passing through. Uh, it's altogether a disaster of an area to live in, um, I guess, you know, unless you're like a wealthy merchant. I, I wouldn't want to probably be in the free cities, These the three daughters. But as a sellsword and a sell sale, there's opportunity there to be had because there's bickering and arguing constantly. Business is good. Um. Just a quick note on a few of them. The second, <laughs> the second sons, uh, the Golden Company. Uh, there's like forty other ones, including ones that we that we read about that are in Marine for that battle. Um, just goes to show you how important slavery is in these cities. They'll hire and send loads of sellsword companies uh, to Marine, and cast Danny in any unfavorable light they can to protect the notion of slavery that she's trying to wreck. Right. They need to protect their slavery, and so they're hiring these sellswords and sending them by ship to die for this cause just to stop Danny. Anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much the section on the on the, the three daughters. Ugh. You're just terrible. I just read this thing in disgust. Yeah, they're like, they're pretty yeah, they're pretty awful. And they're just stupid. Like, I thought this, I put the same note down in, that you made as you were summarizing, that if these three could just get along, yeah, they could wreck anybody. A lot, yeah. They're positioned well. They've got lots of resources. Like, just put your squabbles aside and you could you could achieve so much more together than you, than you can just by yourselves. But and I know all three are pretty prosperous, but... Here's the kicker, know. Matt. What squabbles? They're the same city. Like, they have the same values. All, almost all of them to yeah. the letter. Like, exactly. what are, there are no squabbles. Just get what? along. Look, put it aside, man. No squabbles that they didn't make. Yeah, it's yeah. like they just, like you said, like you made the good point. They fight just to fight. Yeah. And because there are no visible consequences to the fighting, as you said. 
Yeah. No one gets wrecked except for the people they pay to get wrecked. It, you know, it's either out at sea or in the disputed lands where nobody lives anyways. Like, it's just, but it's stupid. But here's the thing, too. Like, these are businessmen, right? They're mm-hmm. having to pay for all these people to die. Mm-hmm. Pay them handsomely. Wouldn't they rather keep the profits and not have... Like, they're not getting the land anyway. What do they get out of and, it? And the yeah. land sucks. Where's I the ROI? Just, yeah, yeah, there's no ROI on this. <laughs> the land sucks. It's been so war-torn that the land is pretty much ruined anyway. Like, right. What's the point? Is it just pride now? It's almost like... And they're not like weapons manufacturers. No. Like, do they manufacture and sell weapons so that the free companies can fight with those weapons and then have to buy more weapons. I like <laughs> and just keep the wheel keeps turning. Like, uh, but they don't even do that. No, so, I, I, I got nothing. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. It really doesn't. Idiots. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the point George is trying to make. Um, uh, which one of the three is your favorite of the three daughters there? Uh, Lease sounds great as a vacation spot. They, uh, the Maester says it's the most beautiful of the free cities. So, but just that undertone of slavery, the stench of slavery underneath, I think would bother me. I, I, I'd go with Tyrosh too. Yeah. Just I like. It's interesting to me how they're kind of self-made with the snails and everything. They use alchemy yeah. and diet to like influence. You know, like I don't know why it's more okay to to uh control snails than humans but i'm okay with it they, <laughs> yeah, they look, figured you know, out how to manipulate things to get the different colors they uh-huh. want and it's pretty interesting but, yeah i mean look the people seem douchey like the other cities too but yeah, all I'll, of them I'll, are yeah. i'll take the city over the others i guess yep yep um the least terrible uh we already talked about slavery did you nausea. just say the least terrible uh you didn't. All right. With a T on the end. Okay. But now I'm disappointed that I didn't <laughs> say that. Aziz would say it. Aziz would have said it for sure. Yep. Uh, we already talked about slavery probably enough. Yeah. But, I mean, um, how would these cities, though, even prosper? It, it makes the point of saying that most of the artisans in Mir are slaves. Most of the artisans are? Yeah. I missed that bit. It's a quick sentence. Most of the Mirish artists were slaves. So it's this place <sighs> would just fall apart. No wonder they're willing to go to the lengths that you described with Danny and Marine to yeah. to protect it. Because everything is built on the backs of these everything. poor souls. It's, it's just awful. Ugh, I mean, the themes are right there in front of us to grab with what's going on right now. Sure. Uh, we already did it, I guess. Yeah. So we don't need to do it again, but like, it Go all there. falls apart, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You throw one stick in the spoke. Can you hear me seething? Like the virus? Oh, yeah. I know what you're doing right now. You, Your shoulders are hunched. <laughs> they are so hunched. <laughs> and yeah. you're, I, I, I think your, your hands are either balled into fists or they're tightly interlocked. Your fingers are interlocked right now in front of you they're not because i'm having to scroll with my mouse pad but... oh, okay all right uh yeah yeah Just, things are falling apart right now <sighs> at least in our country so 
sometimes that's what it takes. It is. And now I have to freaking vote for Joe Biden. And I hate that. But Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'll take it out. But... Yeah. I mean, I think that ship sailed on not being political. <laughs> and hey, you, you described me as Leslie Nope earlier. Yeah, so. I did. I did. And we know how she feels about Joe. We know how she Uncle feels Joe. about Joe Biden. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, we won't go into it. Um, no, let's better not. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. I just, I kind of look at them as kids throwing a perpetual tantrum. Yeah, and never you want it, up. you want to try to like help them. Like, remember, remember when Jaharis spent, was it, was it between the three daughters that he spent like months working on a treaty while Alison went north? Yep, it was. <laughs> it's like, like, or maybe like Bravos was in. Yeah, there or Pentos something. or Bravos was in there too. Yeah. But it was, it was them also. It was that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And and you're just like, you got you imagine him just shaking his hands every time he leaves the table. Like, God damn you guys, <laughs> stop that hard. <laughs> and you just gotta like walk away uh-huh. and just like let them calm down because you're not helping. Yeah, they're the kids that just never quite grew up. They're kind of like uh, John Raffio and Mona Lisa Saperstein. Just... Money, please. I can't stand those characters. They so I know they're I know that he's your favorite, but they remind me of Office characters. <laughs> they are. They yep, yep. To to draw the distinction. There's not a. There's not a, you know, we talked about the how Jeremy Jam kind of has that humanizing factor later on in his yeah. arc, but these two don't. They're just um, always goofballs. Yeah. Yep. Um, Sarah, of course, uh, a quote-unquote victim. It seems like she kind of went willingly, but a victim of the slavery on lease. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I don't have a whole lot for this. Nope. Oh, Tyrosh does have a fused black stone wall. We should bring that up. Mm -hmm. Um, Valyrian stone wall. Valyrian stone wall. Originally being a a fort. So, military reason for that. Yes. I think that's all I got, really. Yeah. The disputed, oh, one more. The disputed lands, like the the way they describe the battles, it kind of reminds me of the Battle of the Five Armies. Like, you just never know which sellsword companies are going to show up. And it's like, this just this big open field. Ta-da, ta-da, and it's just like, oh, ta-da. look at that. The yep. Stormcrows are here. Ah, oh, shit. Okay. Who are they with? I don't know. That doesn't matter. <laughs> fighting whoever we're fighting today. Mm-hmm. All so right. weird, man. So weird. I'm done. You done? I'm done. Let's we have got, some fun. We got one more Ask the Fingers from Cat Spearborn. Yes, we do. Thank you, Kat, for your uh, for your patronage. What have you guys been doing to keep busy during this crazy time? <laughs> you guys are still working and hanging out with the kiddos. That's true. But any other new hobbies or habits? I, for one, have been playing a lot of Pokemon, which brings me to my question. Do you have a favorite Pokemon? Hope you're doing well. How about the Go first ahead, thing, man. Matt? Hab- habits and hobbies? Uh-huh. Um, you know... <laughs> I, I think you feel the same way. We've talked about this a little bit. I feel busier than I did before all of this. Yeah, not uh, socially busy, but like like stress level and like responsibility busy. Yeah. Right, because now we're um, in addition to working our day jobs, where I've also become a teacher, and yep. uh, yeah, 
And my kids are a little bit older to the point that they can kind of take care of themselves now in terms of I don't need to be watching them and entertaining them all day. But I definitely have to like, I have to like check myself to keep them engaged so that they don't just sit around and watch TV. So I've got to make sure that they're going outside or that they're reading a book or that they're doing something to stay engaged and keep their minds going. Uh, So I feel busier than ever. Um, my, but my evenings have opened up. So my evenings were before all this were mostly, you know, we had hockey three nights a week, kids going to gymnastics or had some sort of piano lesson or choir or something, Cub Scouts. And my evenings were just spent eating dinner very quickly and then running kids around or something. Uh, and that's all gone now. So um, I guess new hobbies are almost every night we watch a movie together as a family, and that's fun. We're starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel. I think I mentioned last episode that I let the boys watch Happy Gilmore. And you did. Which was not one of my finest choices. Uh, and late at night, I've started uh, working on a little more music, writing again. Nice. I actually finished a new song. I'm going to send it to you, Scott, Ooh. so you could listen to it. Exciting. My, f- my first ever piano song. Really? wrote a song on the piano yeah all right i've had to Don't well, it was mostly on a keyboard with headphones plugged in because it was at 12 30 yep. at night that i'd be working on it but relatable content <clears throat> you heard me trying to sing tracks for wham last year before when we you did on. westeros music. yeah <laughs> like i gotta sing but i don't yeah. want to wake anyone up so basically the difference in my lifestyle right now is that my nights have opened up but my days feel much busier to the point that I'm ex- more exhausted at night. But, and I know you kind of feel the same way, right? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, hobbies, uh, not new ones. I'm drinking a lot. <laughs> I'm drinking a lot. <laughs> a really lot. I'm going to pour a drink when we finish. And it's like going to be like 1 a.m. Uh, I'm also one of those people, I'm not proud of this, but I'm like obsessing over the numbers of the virus. Uh-huh. And how it's being handled and, and things like that. Yeah, like checking the, the new uh-huh. tolls every day. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I, I hate that I'm that I'm entranced by it, but I'm just so curious about the flow of the numbers and whether the social distancing is working and all these things. Yeah. And, Padme's really into that too. Yeah. Um my dad also just had heart surgery, so we've been dealing with that. So it's been a it's been a weird time, Kat. Thanks for asking. Um <laughs> drinking is my answer. I did I did start an ill-fated Battlestar rewatch and tweeted it, which was a fun several hours. Uh, oh, uh, don't tell me that's already fallen by the wayside. Well, I mean, I haven't done it since, but I I haven't given up on it. I might. Okay. I don't know. I don't. Right. I don't really know how Twitter works too well because when I do it, I'm only on our like mentions and stuff. I don't want to flood everybody that doesn't give a shit about Battlestar Galactica with Meh. tweets at one in the morning. They can mute it if they, they want. They can mute it, right? Yeah. I don't know. People I, loved it. I loved it. I thought it was fun. People had fun with that. You know what? If not, whatever. Yeah. We always lose a bunch of followers after A Song of Madness anyways. I mean, Matt. <laughs> the, the poster will remain totally nameless, kidding. but somebody had, some someone, someone said, uh, and I don't know how much they really meant it, but implied pretty heavily that we do a song of madness for like exposure and clicks mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yep. i was just like 
How many times have we mentioned our podcast at all during A Song of Madness? I think Two I or did. three total? I think I did one. So normally, uh, Scott, you know this, is that I would have like a regular scheduled, like maybe once a week. I would say, hey, While you're come here, for A Song yeah. of Madness, but stay for the podcast. Yeah. I did that once this whole tournament. And I mentioned the podcast a couple times in conversations. Like right. on the podcast, we, we talked about this. We thought it was interesting. Or but, we released two episodes during yeah. A Song of Madness and we announced those like we would announce any episode. So like it's, we're really bad. I, I, honestly, like if we were better at this, maybe we would more. But like we're not, like we don't try to monetize A Song of Madness <laughs> at all. It's not the point. Like, nope. It, nope. Like, it sh- it, like reading that tweet shook me. I was like, like you really is this what people think us? we're doing it for? Right. And I don't think most people do, but it sh- it shook me a little bit. Anyway, Kat, was we this must... your question? Nope. It wasn't. Uh, Pokemon, you have a favorite Pokemon? Uh, no, I. but I have been playing Pokemon with my son to the point that I pretty much know what I'm doing now. I think I pretty much know the rules. But uh, when I play, like, I don't even... I don't even pay attention to the name of the Pokemon or even really the picture. I just look right at their, you know, power, their numbers and numbers and stuff. Uh Um, But uh, I asked Chewy, the one who plays Pokemon, um, what his favorite Pokemon was overall. And he thought about it for a minute and he said, probably Charizard. Charizard. So I'll, I'll go with Charizard. So I love Pokemon. Um, Mary, my oldest, was obsessed with it, almost to the point of annoyance. I mean, he he had something like 700 Pokemon and had them, and I'm not exaggerating, memorized. I mean, oh, he, wow. he knew their names. He knew how many hit points they had. He knew how much damage they had. If they had special abilities, he pretty much knew those. Is that this what is HP that, stands for, by the way? Yes. Hit points? Yeah, hit points or health points. I don't know which it is, actually. Cool. Um, but uh, they... Uh, I mean, you know, this is, I'm not trying to brag about him, but this is a kid that could barely read, right? And so he's <laughs> at, the, at the point where he was obsessed with this. So he's. That's cool. He found that thing to. Yeah, he like, really he went to. all yeah. in on it. Cool. And he, so I learned to play with them with cards that like he gave me. And he'd give you the crappy ones. But he right? gave me crappy ones. And <laughs> yep. I'm competitive and I hated losing to him <laughs> with the shitty cards. And he was just insufferable <laughs> about it, too. And so I essentially went out and I bought my own water deck. And after that, I mostly kicked his ass, right? Like I'm a strategic guy, you know, I'm reasonably intelligent and I'm an adult, not a six-year-old. So I beat him pretty bad. Take that six-year-old. And anyway, the moral is it's really sad. Don't do that. I don't have it in me to like lose on purpose, but like it kind of, he kind of lost interest. I don't know if it's because I was beating him or not, but he, he's now into Beyblades. You crushed him, Scat. <laughs> and I can't stress this enough, you guys. Do not crush your child into Beyblades. Because not they are the worst. Are those those things that, like, spin? Yes. And they, like... Here's what I compare them to. People are so bored right now. This is what I compare them to. <clears throat> they've got, like, a little ripcord and a little plastic metal um, discs, if you want to think about them that way. And they just yeah. spin around and they battle each other in an arena. The concept is actually kind of cool. Uh, and watching a battle is kind of cool once, but this is like, it's like a slot machine. So like Pokemon, I, 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 I compare them this way. Pokemon has a game with strategy and thinking. Yeah, you can you got to make plans and, and do this thing. This is just pull the ripcord, man, and watch slot machine, cherry, happens, cherry, yeah. cherry. Like what happens? And it's just over and over like an addiction almost. It's just like pull, 
pull, pull, pull. No, it's time to stop. No, I got one more pull, one more pull. It's like a drug almost. And I hate it. I can't stand it. And it causes no end of fights in my house. But he loves it. So it's hard. Anyway, cat, my answer is Mudkip. My favorite Pokemon is Mudkip. In a, I hate being without that. energy. And in a world of limited energy, Mudkip is always there for me to allow me to draw three water energies from my deck on his turn. So he's my favorite. Okay. Very thoughtful answer. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's move on to our game, man. We have a game. I I thought this episode was going to go much quicker than it did. We 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 went off track a lot. We 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 went some serious off railage. We also this. talked for like forty minutes before we started recording. We so. sure did. It's, so it's yeah, late. That was very needed. Let's play. Who's that associate? Dun, 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 dun. So this game is going to consist largely of Matt and I giving clues one at a time. For you to write down your answers, and then we'll come back to the back to them in order and reveal who they are. Kind of like if you've done the Radio Westeros clues. Hey, Radio Westeros, we love you guys. If you've done their quizzes before, very much like that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do that uh, point system thing that I brought up? I didn't or write those point do systems clues? down, but we. Could, I mean, I have I have four four notes for each one, so I could easily add that in. You have four notes? Oh, we should have coordinated this. I only have three. <laughs> I can leave off the third one or it's combine fine. them. We should have coordinated this, guys. This is classic Matt and Scad. It was just like, Scott, you take five, I'll take five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, That's as okay. far as we went. Everyone's getting the same opportunity to earn points. You can do four right. and I can uh, three and I can do four. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's true. So what I was thinking is is like if you get so I've got three clues for each character. If you get if you guess the person after the first clue, you get three points. If you guess them after two clues, you get two points. And if you guess them after the third clue, you get one point. Right. So my questions will be worth more since I have four yes. points. Yeah. So, so Unless you so just want to go four, three, and two, you could do that. Yeah, we could. And then I was thinking you get an extra point if you can name which free city they're from. Oh, some of my clues include which free city they're from. Let's not do that then. <laughs> We're figuring this out as we go, guys. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm starting. So here's the first clue to this first character. The youngest daughter of a banker. Uh, clue number two. She was oft moved to tears after hearing the music played by her guardsman. And clue number three, she married a prince, had three children with him, and then later left all of them. Who is it? Okay. Mm, good one. All right, moving on to the next one. This person is a Mirish sellsword. Fought for the blacks in the time of the dance. Next clue, a former mummer used that training to orchestrate the ambush where his men were disguised as corpses and took out Kristen Cole's outriders. Oh, Kristen. And the last clue, claims to have killed the young prince Darren Targaryen with his mace. Remember, a few people claimed to have killed Darren. He died in a few ways. Mm-hmm. But this was very specific. 
Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know that uh, I would have gotten this character. I definitely would not. Yeah. All right. Third character. We got 10 of these guys. Um, This guy is described as polite. He's having a friendly voice. Second clue. He never refers to himself in the first person. Most of you are going to get it after that one. Probably. Third clue. His hair is colored white and red, but later changes to black. Who is it? All right. The fourth character here. For four points. While not from these places, this character spent time in Kohor and Pentos. For three points, this character is originally from Marine. For two points, this character was a pit fighter in Marine, has a slave, and is very strong. Oh boy. For one point, this character liked liver and onions and locusts. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. If you guys know Scat at all, you've gotten that answer. Fifth character. Clue number one for three points. He sent one of his apprentices to join the Night's Watch. Second clue. The entrance to his shop, which is the largest shop on his street, has an ebony and weirwood carving of a hunting scene over the doorway. And the third clue. He is one of the few smiths who can work Valyrian steel. Who is it? All right. Number six for four points. And this one is tricky. Mm -hmm. He's actually from a region covered last episode. Mm -hmm. And is a Dothraki. For three points. He's very fat. For two points, almost raped a main character in the main timeline of Song of Ice and Fire. For one point, removed the limb from another character in the main timeline of A Song of Ice and Fire with an Iraq. (laughs) Who could it be? All right. Person number seven. Um... This person was called as a witness at Tyrion's trial, and this person claims they saw Tyrion drop something into Joffrey's chalice. Clue number two. Although not a native of Westeros themselves, this person is married to a Westerosian. And clue number three. Shares information, and sometimes a bed, with Cersei Lannister. And sometimes a swamp. You got that one. Mm, Swampy. Number eight. This character is one of the few Norvosi we meet. Mm. And we talked about her this episode. Clue number two does not actually appear at any time in the series. Clue number three for one... for. Two points. Has three kids. Or had. Had three kids. 
Good point. Uh, for one point, her departure is considered to be very mysterious by many in the fandom. Her husband's explanation that it was because she didn't want to foster her kids out met with doubt. Yeah. Okay, person number nine. This person enjoys dressing in loud colors and finery. Clue number two. This character was sent as an ambassador to the Lazarine. And clue number three. Carries as weapons both a Dothraki Arak and a Mirish Stiletto. Oof. Wanton. Wanton. And the last character. Mm-hmm. This character lives in Lease, but not technically from there. For four points. For three points. Married a knight from Westeros after a single tourney victory. But it wasn't a happy marriage. For two points. This character's from Scad's second favorite house. Indeed. And for one point, this character looks like Daenerys Targaryen, according to one Jorah Mormont. Oh, there it is. Wait, what's your favorite house? Hightower's not your favorite Manderly, house? I think. Mm-hmm. It changes sometimes. <laughs> All right, shall we go back and give the answers? Yes, let's. So character number one, uh, youngest daughter of a banker, liked the music of her guardsmen, and married a prince who she later left. That was Lara or Lara Roger of Lys. And number two, the Mirish sellsword that claims to have killed uh, Prince Darren Targaryen with his mace and helped uh, dispatch Christian Cole's outriders with his ambush of disguised corpses uh, is Black Trombo. Yeah, you guys remember him? Barely. Right? Uh, number three, who I'm sure all of you got polite, never refers to himself in the first person, and changes hair color. Of course, our one Lorathi in the whole series, Jacques and Hagar, if that's his real name. And uh, savior of Old Town, soon uh, to Savior be. of Old Town, soon to be. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Best theory. <laughs> Number four. Number four. The character that likes liver onions and locusts was a pit fighter. He's very strong. Get it? Originally from Marine and spent some time in Kohor and Pentos. He's strong. Belwas. Yeah. Of the Belwasian yeah. clan. The Belwasians. Mm-hmm. Um, next was uh, he sent his apprentice to join the Night's Watch. That was Gendry. And it's implied in the text, I think. It's been a while since I've read it, that it was Varys who paid this person to send Gendry. Um <clears throat> has the ebony and weirwood carving of a hunting scene, one of the few smiths who can work Valyrian steel, King's Landing Zone, Tabo Mott of Kohor. And number six, Zolo is the fat Dothraki that took Jamie's hand and nearly raped Brienne of Tarth had Jamie not interceded with his talk of Sapphire. <laughs> uh, then the um the the lady of who married a Westerosian was who that Westerosian was Orton Merriweather is Tana Merriweather. Get swampy with Cersei. That's right. Uh, the Norvosi woman uh, who married Doran and departed under mysterious circumstances had Tristane, Quinton, and Ariane as her children, and doesn't actually appear anywhere. That's Malario of Norvos. Malario. Yeah. 
And then, of course, our favorite ambassador to the Lazarine. Danny, why would you send this guy to be an ambassador? Uh, Dothrakiaric, stiletto, dresses in finery, Dario Naharis. And the last character that lives in Lys when I was not from there, married, uh, looks like Daenerys Targaryen and actually married Jorah Mormont after he won a single tourney victory from House Hightower, my second favorite house, Linus Hightower. And there you go. And that is What'd the you end get? of who's that associate. Yeah, tell us what your score was. Tell us your scores. If you could follow along with the, the weird scorekeeping system of three, four, or two <laughs> points or whatever. If we would have kept if we would have better prepared for this game, uh, we probably would have given you a total points that you could earn. Um well I guess we four times five is twenty. Mm-hmm. Three times five is fifteen. Thirty five if my math. So checks there's out. a yeah, there's a total of thirty five points that you can get. Let us know what you got. I mean, some of our first clues were pretty vague. I'd be yes. awfully surprised be if surprised someone if scored a perfect. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. It's time to sign off, Matt. We're done for today. We'll put in we our shift. Done. Oh, my goodness. 12.45 a.m., friends. Mm-hmm. I told my wife we'd probably be going till about midnight tonight. <laughs> time for a whiskey. Words. Time for a whiskey in episode 33. Maybe. <laughs> of Wait, episode 33. It's called 33 of Battlestar. Oh, Battlestar. Yep. Have fun with that, man. Maybe. Let's see. Okay. I need to find my sign-off quote. There it is. All right. From the text, this is Matt signing off with, The man who honors all the gods honors none at all. Whether you're talking religion or whatever, guys, find a cause and stick to it. All right? Words to live by. Um, mine is uh, flies in the face into that a little bit. Uh, if you don't know it, just fake it like Master Yandel. <laughs> fake it till you make it. I love it. That's all I got. Yep. And go That's ahead and Google that uh, Freedom Cost a Buck 05. I will. YouTube's coming my way. All right. Good night, friends. Good night, Kalisar. It was a blast. See you, Skeddy. Yep, bye. Bye. talking about hota later well that's what i was just saying i i, I don't know whether we are or not Hang i on. can't remember if did was he, he make, one that you did picked? he make the list no i didn't pick him i don't can, think i then, picked him either no we can talk no, about i didn't him. okay great so, yes we can talk about we him. are so organized hota. <laughs> cut this just cut that part in fact never watch this again just leave get out while you can people <laughs> um no I'm kidding. Yeah. I hear I have you. Okay. I thought you'd cut out too. I've got you. The... Stay with me, man. I don't For know. For those what listening, is going we've on. lost a few calls today. Oh my gosh. You know what it is? Is I uh the kids were begging to stay up, but my wife's not feeling super well tonight and I didn't want her to have to like wrangle them to bed or anything when they inevitably uh-huh. started getting loud and playing. So I said they could all, they had to all go to their own rooms, but I'd let them all take their tablets to bed. <laughs> you and got that's competing. Probably yeah. I've got three kids streaming uh-huh. Disney plus right now. Plus nice. if my wife's watching something, plus you and I recording a podcast. He's got a great internet connection. I, I don't think mine <laughs> would handle that. Normally we do. Yeah. Fortuitously, we actually upped our 
connection speed like a month before this thing hit. Oh, nice. Of having to work from home. So it's actually been really nice. We haven't had any problems, but maybe... Yeah, ours is actually telling. held up pretty well, too. <clears throat> Better Anyways, than I thought it would. 